All right, we're back for another episode of Regenerative Landscapes. This time, uh, Dan's got the floor, or rather the compost heap, apparently. So, uh, <laughs> uh -huh. yeah, yeah, see, you got that. <laughs> I know, my jokes are terrible. Anyway, um, I, I guess like bef it. before we get going, though, uh, we'll go to how our weeks have been. So we'll start with, well, I guess Kevin's actually on mute right now. So we'll start with Dan. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah week's been good just uh yeah trying to plan out some uh projects upcoming projects so that's been kind of interesting all this kind of you know other stuff with the business you know trying to get everything organized it's slowly but surely falling into place you know you, <laughs> it has peaks of like everything gets done right away and you know everything's organized and then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it dips the, a little bit randomly. The ebbs and, and flows. To, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get like. that. It's either mad rush. Get the nice balance. Yeah. It's either mad rush or nothing happening, but there's no in between. Right. So, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So that's been kind of most of my week for the business side of things. And yeah, just been kind of looking around too, just at, you know, the Edmonton uh, Native Plant Society and just, you know, kind of any events and things going around and, seeing kind of what uh what's kind of happening in at least the province i guess in terms of um like native plant scaping stuff mm -hmm. so yeah well and on the other hand the the covid things are starting to open up so uh there there'll be more we'll be more able to do more things as the summer progresses now too like even on a social level they're going did you notice they're going to have a concert series uh running in edmonton at the northlands yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, it's like, like yeah. it'll be different. Yeah. Like you'll be seated at a table and served, but I don't mind that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm like that. And again, it's a cool. smaller crowd, but you know, it's yeah. it's bigger but, than well, five I to mean, ten people. It, I, so. I think it's a big step up. We at least get to uh, do some socializing, listen to some music again. Like holy smokes, mm -hmm. I'll take that. So, so oh, that's cool. Yeah, there's some normalcy coming back, so I'm happy about that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, weather so. weather wise, I mean, we've been getting some <laughs> rain off and on, so that's good for the plants as well because it was so dry. I was worried yeah. about more fires and stuff, but it looks like we've got some rain now, so it lets me do some other things because it's been so uh, busy just keeping up with watering. <laughs> yeah, that's always <laughs> always a time suck for anybody. <laughs> yeah, well, and just with the uh, um, the amount of watering and everything, my. See, it's, it's whatever you do as your profession. It's the last thing you can get done on a personal level. So, of course, my garden, I'm still finishing putting in my garden now <laughs> because yeah. I've had to, had to invest so much in watering and stuff. But now I have a few days where, all right, we'll finish the last part of the garden and then that's done. And I've been doing lots of lawn mowing and weed whacking and stuff to catch up and still have to do some grafting on some trees. But anyway, all that will be falling into place. And then we can start. Uh, uh, oh, we can start jamming again. So I don't know if you're available on, I think we're aiming for hopefully Saturday this week. I don't know if you guys are available Saturday. I'll come, I'll come. <laughs> Bring your guitar. <laughs> yeah, I think it should be good for that. It'd be fun. Get we back try, to it. Yeah, we try to, try to intro with uh, Rick last Friday because he's got his new deck gazebo and everything. And that's pretty sweet. So yeah, now we're. We're good to go for realsies this week. So that'll be cool. So yeah, we'll Say. give you the details for Ooh. that. But yeah, yay. So, and on that note, um, what, so what, Kevin, what did you do? Uh, absolutely nothing. <laughs> I wish I could do absolutely nothing. That would be great. It was just, no, I mean, nothing means nothing exciting. It's just oh. regular stuff. It's like, I don't know it has been so long. I, I remember like last time I really had a day off. It was, I, I don't know. I think this Wednesday I actually kind of, no, today's Wednesday, right? Uh, yeah, that's why you <laughs> yes. need a day off apparently. <laughs> I don't even know when was the last time I had a day off. Probably like last Saturday or something like that. Because like before that, it was like the week me and Dan did the project. We worked for 12 hours. And then after that, yeah. like I had to go to my uh, routine job and then, it was, it was just a lot, but it was good. I feel like very fulfilled. Like and productive, something's going to, something's happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then, it. oh, last week, I think, well, 
really didn't do much. I went to Dan's place to look at his garden, the stuff he's been doing with all the native species. And I mm-hmm. was actually amazed because we are doing this kind of business, right? And yep. seeing the stuff he's been doing, it's like the, he puts he, he put lots of native species in his uh, front yard. Mm-hmm. And then it was like actually very manic- manicured. It, it looks very clean. It looks like just like uh, those are... Uh, how to say that like the ornament species people would usually do like the horticultural stuff people would usually do but with the native species it actually looks really impressive really good yeah if you do it right you can make it look very nice it doesn't have to be this weedy rat's nest of a whatever that people have this perception about like um yeah even even with our place like i've only got uh certain raised beds for for nursery beds and that kind of thing so it's kind of a revolving repertoire of plants but even within that, as long as you keep it weeded and uh, plants spaced out and, you know, show different colors and textures and that kind of thing, it can look pretty nice. So, yeah, awesome. And uh, the uh, the weather sure has made the grass grow overnight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yes, our four-legged lawnmowers are hard at work. But uh, <laughs> that's okay. Um, so yeah, I guess without further ado, we'll get into it and Dan will take the floor today because this is uh, his topic of choice, composting. Yeah, so yeah, I figure let's talk about composting because that's, I don't know, I think something that uh, a lot of people, at least I talk to when it comes to gardening, are kind of interested in. Uh, <laughs> sometimes they know what they're doing, actually have their own compost pile ready to go, but don't really know how to get it may be working better for them because it just might not be breaking down fast enough for uh, their liking. Uh, so again, this is, isn't going to be super in depth, but kind of just give you an idea as to, you know, what composting is all about and kind of the pros and cons of it. And yeah, just, I don't know, something interesting about it. So I figure I'll just ask you guys first, uh, what is composting? I'll let Kevin go first if he'd like to. Sure. Um, composting, I would say, well, it's just putting the stuff you don't want, like the food scraps or the grass or the leaves or the branches into a bin and uh, it marinates over time and it turns into soil and then you take them out and put that back into your garden so it fertilizes your soil. That's it. You make it sound like an Simple, overnight easy. salad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. You have to keep digging and digging and digging and it's going to probably take you like a year or so for those stuff to fully compose and like go back into soil. But at the same time, be aware of uh, the smell it's going to generate if you put the wrong stuff into it. So, well, I'll let you continue. I don't want to go into too much detail about like what you (laughs) I mean, it sounds like you're about to take over. I'm just like, sure. Okay. (laughs) Kevin seems like he knows what he's talking about. That's all right. Well, I was just going to say um, it's very important to note that it's uh, converting plant material, like Kevin was just mentioning. You can put the wrong stuff in. Yeah, so you don't want to put any meat-based items or any un- unusual stuff in there. Uh, you don't want that in your compost, so make sure it's plant-based material. But it's the act of converting it into a usable uh, material, like a mulch or a, an amendment, I guess, to use um on your gardens or certain areas and uh uh it 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 happens with a microbial process so that it's it's naturally broken down i guess although i suppose in a composting situation you can have a certain um pre mechanical breakdown as well if you're chopping stuff up into small pieces or whatever before to make it faster but anyway on that note i'll let dan expand upon things <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, like both of you, yeah, I think nailed it um, with, yeah, uh, from, yeah, definition I pulled from the Natural Resource Defense Council uh, defines composting as the natural process of recycling organic matter such as leaves and food scraps into a valuable fertilizer that can enrich soil and plants. So, yeah, basically what you two kind of uh, both said about um, that. So, yeah, that's kind of just the broad term of it all. and. Yeah, I'll get into a little more details as to kind of how that process works and whatnot. But first, I was going to kind of start with a little bit of history because a lot of this stuff I didn't even 
really look much into. Um, it was kind of interesting doing the research for it. Uh, so yeah, composting has been around for a really long time, even when kind of like the term composting is relatively new. Like it's kind of been around for maybe a couple hundred years, but uh, the idea of composting, uh, when people didn't know what to call it composting, uh, was first recorded around 2300 BC. Uh, yeah roughly around there uh, in Mesopotamia. And that's kind of um, as when humans kind of evolved and moved away kind of from that hunter-gatherer kind of lifestyle, moved to more like a pastoral lifestyle or kind of (laughs) more country living, I guess. Um, The people got more involved uh, when it came to, you know, growing their own food, having plots of land and maintaining that land and uh, livestock as well. So, as time went on, uh, with these, uh, uh, I guess we, can, I guess we can call them farmers in a sense. Uh, as time went on, uh, some of these people probably uh, noticed that uh, that where manure was kind of being deposited on their land from their livestock, uh, plants tended to grow better. Uh, so people uh, started to real started u- utilizing manure on their fields, and when uh, humans became like as time went on and humans became more industrialized, so that's you know kind of around 1700s. And I mean, I guess just whenever uh, people are kind of getting more into, well, let's make tools and machines that are making <laughs> working on the land a lot easier versus doing everything. Yeah, by the industrial revolution. Hand. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so as that kind of came about uh, and having easier access to uh, machines to do agricultural work, uh, kind of the old way of composting faded out a bit so it wasn't just you know have livestock have manure kind of prevalent all over the place and then kind of working that into the ground and that's kind of how you somewhat kind of got your compost going and then yeah kind of moved away from that to now it's all machines and uh using or having access to now uh chemical and artificial fertilizers that were usually uh cheaper and easier to produce uh for um for usage so then, yeah, so the modernization of composting, uh, kind of the way we think about it today, came, uh, I mean, at, kind of at the same time as machines were more prevalent, because even though more reliance was kind of put on chemical and artificial fertilizers, um, being able to mass produce these kind of things, there was also kind of a rise, too, in uh, the idea of um, using machinery, using new technologies to um, kind of not speed up but fine to fine tune uh the way of composting and yeah, also the rise it. of yeah and also people uh wanting to like there's the idea of organic farming that was kind of right uh kind of coming up being brought up by people and this kind of began began around i think around kind of the 1920s where there was yeah a lot of people like uh the the way we kind of think about organic farming um anyway so yeah that kind of happened around the 1920s and then as more established settlements and municipalities began to uh grow and expand uh there was a need to address uh issues of landfill space because you know we're all <laughs> we all produce some sort of waste some uh some areas more than others and eventually all that stuff kind of la- needs to be put somewhere so uh it all gets kind of put in some sort of landfill space but you know, as, you know, populations grew and uh, needs and more, you know, products and <laughs> consumerism, I guess, uh, grew, there was, yeah, there's a greater need for landfill space. And that's where uh, kind of the idea of composting, being able to reuse, recycle, kind of redirect um, kind of waste streams and being able to utilize that to uh, reduce how much landfill or garbage was winding up at landfills. So, yeah, this is where compost came in. Um, where uh, landfill waste could be utilized for plant production and used for various applications while addressing the landfill space issue. So again, it wasn't not it wasn't a foolproof plan to solve landfill space issues, but it was uh, somewhat of a good start. And that's where you kind of think of uh, what's that park that's here in Edmonton, uh, Rundle Park. I know that's a big used to be a big landfill, and now it's they just you know at a certain point said, okay, let's <laughs> let's cover up what's uh, 
make it looking nice and good and then uh, make it into a park. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like um, if you've ever been to Elliston Park in Calgary, they had the big world fireworks uh, display thing going on over there. That's all, all right. on an, that's all on an old landfill too. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so yeah, you so don't yeah, know spaces, it, but yeah, these spaces can still be utilized even after being, you know, touted as a, <laughs> you know, a smelly garbage heap. Yeah. I mean, you, you might into... not, you might not want to grow food on them for a certain number of years and, no. <laughs> but, but you can definitely re-landscape it and let things break down further and sit on it for a while before it reaches a point where it could be usable again for agricultural purposes or whatever i suppose yeah so yeah it's not because you have to think that you know once you kind of have a landfill area as long as you kind of not as long as you maintain it and it's properly you know uh, uh managed yeah you can turn the you can turn these areas into you know parks or anything else really um other than yeah maybe being able to grow anything on it but yeah i mean versus you know having to take that same square footage area and having and wanting to build a park somewhere else. And then that's area that's, you know, being taken up to use for a park. And then you still have your landfill space. So being able to kind of utilize these spaces are, are a good, good thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically uh, so, yeah. it allows you to, to utilize um, the waste of space and stay away from the valuable space that can be used for agriculture and other things. Right. So, yeah. So now I will talk about uh, the whole process. So when composting, uh, there are a few things that are required to get it going. Uh, can you guys think of a few things that you need for compost? Kind of your basic ingredients of it. Uh, uh, material, uh, plant-based material, I guess, or or. Uh... Yeah, well, I guess more or less. Yeah, yeah plant-based material, like organic material. That's a word. Uh, yeah. Although you don't really want to put, like, you know, dead bodies and things. I mean, yeah, we don't condone <laughs> trying to get rid of dead bodies that way. <laughs> it's funny how this topic keeps coming up in the podcast. <laughs> it's purely speculative, people. Purely speculative. Anyway. Sorry, continue with your list. Oh, no, I'm still asking. Okay, you got one. Yeah, well, I thought you kind of have four in mind. Huh? I thought yeah, Kevin oh, yeah. was going to throw one in. <laughs> Kevin, throw one you in. You or Kevin. Oh, I'm going to? Okay. Uh, uh, I guess you need a little bit of soil to make it work, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. another one. Because um, yeah, you, you kind of like need your fuel. The right sort of temperature. Oh, no, temperature doesn't matter because like, during winter times, they can still do the work. Um, air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need your oxygen. And, uh, oh, and moisture, humidity, moisture. Or like moisture, yeah. water, something like that. Because if it's dry, and then you really do squat. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are kind of the four ones I was looking at, which was soil, water, air, and organic matter. Woohoo, did we yeah, get a gold of, star? <laughs> you get a virtual one that you can't see right now. A but. virtual star. I always wanted one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it by email. Okay. After the podcast. Sounds cool um yeah so yeah those are kind of the four things soil water air and organic matter so the process involves the mic microorganisms from the soil material that you put into your compost uh beginning uh with the microorganisms beginning to eat away at uh the organic materials that you feed into uh the compost and they break it down into smaller chunks so organic materials include things like food scrap yard waste such as you know leaves uh, grass and twigs, uh, and then you have, you know, newspaper and so many other things, you know, any, any kind of, yeah, food stuff you can think of as organic or any, yeah, anything green for the most part. <laughs> well, there, and <laughs> there is a, there is yard. kind of a, a go-to, um, a ratio thing, uh, to have decent compost too, right? Like something like a two to one green to brown ratio. So even though you can technically throw all of your vegetative waste in you you need to at any given time make sure you know two parts of it are, are green like grass clippings and lettuce and whatever other stuff and then the the one part is your brown your your dead like twigs and leaves your, your and that carbon kind of stuff. yeah yeah because basically you're looking at yeah carbon to nitrogen ratio and 
Yeah, you're again, I looked at a few places and it kind of varies as to what mm -hmm. people recommend. Sometimes people say, yeah, like you want more green stuff than uh, brown stuff. And then other people are like, well, actually, no, you want more carbon than uh, nitrogen or the green stuff. And it goes back and forth. And really, there <laughs> there is kind of a art and science to it uh, when it comes to balancing that out. And as Kevin said before, where yeah, compost can, you know, take maybe a year or something to actually fully form. That's not always the case. It's if you're really, you know, monitoring and managing a compost pile and actually have the, you know, with, you know, the soil, water, air and organic matter, if you have all those balanced and you're constantly, you know, managing that, you can get uh, much quicker results within, you know, weeks to months. And again, it really depends on the size of your pile and all these other factors. But yeah, like there's there's yeah, a you, range you, and depends on all the variables, but there's a chance that you could produce it. Uh, some, I guess some things in what, as little as eight weeks or something. And then at the extreme, if it's frozen in the middle of winter and you've thrown a whole bunch of junk in there, but you haven't stirred it and got the oxygen in there and all this kind of stuff, then it might take a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because I, I think that was one thing, because I used to have a uh, compost pile in the back but it just got i mean there's too many rodents or too many you know critters and stuff trying to get at uh, stuff that was trying to decompose and also it wasn't turned as often as it should have been so it was just something that was kind of sitting there it was smelly and it was taking way too long to actually decompose and be able to use it for uh whatever yard project uh, i was working on so uh, eventually that kind of got uh, thrown away and maybe I'm, I'm thinking about maybe putting one back uh, but anyways um, yeah if you kind of put a little more time and effort and do a little research as to kind of how to properly manage your compost by you can get yeah quicker results and potentially be able to use the stuff sooner than yeah a lot more you know, worthwhile <laughs> doing it within one growing season than waiting for next season to actually use it you can you could potentially do it within your same you know in the same summer season yeah season. well that's like i i mean typical old school on a farm or whatever you just have a big pile but because you're not turning it and all that stuff it takes forever right but i'd like to get one of those uh those bins that you can turn oh like a tumbler a tumbler yeah because even though you put in small amounts at a time and you pretty much have to have two tumblers one with new stuff you're putting in and one that's full that you start turning i think that would break down our stuff a lot quicker because you're getting the air and everything in it so you can regulate the water, all that stuff, right? And then you can use it a lot faster. But anyway, that is just mm -hmm. my thought. Yeah. Right. So where was I? So yeah, the kind of excess material that gets uh, produced from the microorganisms, breaking down all the organic material, uh, is called uh, hummus or yeah. humus. Yeah, we went through that before. <laughs> I'm like, uh, mm -hmm. hmm, hummus we want to eat, humus might be better for this. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, anyway. <laughs> potato, potato. But yeah, that's basically yeah. But basically, that's what's uh, being created when these microorganisms are breaking down uh, what you're throwing into a compost pile, and it's material um, that is rich in fiber and organic nutrients. You know, like you know your nitrogen, your phosphorus, and your potassium, your NPK, as you see it on a lot of uh, uh, fertilizers that you see in the uh, you know store if you're trying to buy compost manure or whatever. Um, yeah. So of the organic nutrients produced, nitrogen tends to be kind of the uh, more important nutrient for improved soil and plant health. But again, really depends on your site and what you're actually looking for. Sometimes, you know, you might think, well, actually, I want more potassium in uh, a certain area. So that might be more important to you. But generally speaking, nitrogen is kind of the main one that you kind of look at for as being the one that helps for soil and plant health. Um, so, yeah, for plant health and related to nitrogen. Uh, with those er inorganic nutrients uh, for plant health, the nitrogen helps with uh, chlorophyll production, structure, growth, uh, and food proce processing. And then for soil health, it helps with um, increased productivity uh, for those soil microorganisms. And there's so many other things that, you know, not just nitrogen, but all these other uh, macro and micronutrients help for soil and plant health. But I'm not going to get into that. That might be for another soil. That's the chemistry episode, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the process micro microorganisms used to break down the materials is called aerobic respiration. So anybody remember from biology what aerobic respiration means? Uh, it means they're busy, really busy doing their exercises and they're breathing hard. <laughs> aerobic or anaerobic? 
aerobic. Aerobic. No, That's wisdom, right? Aerobic mm-hmm. uses o- oxygen, right? And anaerobic does not. Yes, correct. Yeah. So yeah, aerobic yeah. is yeah. Don, you get a point. Woo, Turns I got out, another um... I got another virtual star coming. Yay. <laughs> this is actually a game show and you guys are I know. Are I want to push my, my mouse pad as a button. <laughs> uh, so yeah, <laughs> aerobic respiration is a process of taking glucose, the presence of the oxygen uh, in oxygenated environment, and turn it into energy with water and uh, carbon dioxide as end products. So with the oxygen part of it, oxygen comes from when the compost is turned and exposed to the outside, and then adding the water helps. It will pr- like the microorganisms will produce water as you know, temperatures rise and there's enough moisture kind of being produced in those piles, but as well, adding water yourself to those piles helps to keep uh, microorganisms thriving and multiplying. But you have to keep that fine balance because if you add too much water, um, it's not, they're not going to be working as effectively. Sometimes you might even be killing some of them too. Um, and now that would be a temperature. Because it might, it might, it might need to leaching too. Like some stuff might just leach out. Right. Because it's just All your nutrients just get washed right out. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And the microorganisms too, because of everything just kind of <laughs> being flushed out when you put a whole bunch. <laughs> yeah, it just becomes a big slide. water park in there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, when composting, piles will start to warm up, and this is due to microorganisms um, working very hard, and with all the energy being produced from them. So that's kind of yeah, because yeah, over time the, the pile actually starts generating its own heat too, right? Which can further mm-hmm. help break it down. It kind of become a, a perpetual cyclical thing, right? Exactly. So, yeah, that's kind of the quick rundown quick as, to how, <laughs> yeah, as to how that whole process works. Um, you guys have any questions? Uh, I don't think so. I think you're explaining it quite well. Okay. All right. So we'll move on to why you want to compost or just why compost at all. Uh, so for one thing, I'll start off with uh, food waste. So with compost, uh, it's a valuable natural fertilizer that benefits you, your community, and the world in general. Uh, composting helps to reduce how much food waste is being directed into our waste streams and up in the landfill, which I kind of talked a little bit about before. Uh, a report by the UN Environmental Program for 2021 indicated that the average Canadian household wastes about 79 kilograms of food annually. So that's about 160 think about 170 pounds, maybe a little under, uh, of food annually on the average household. Which doesn't Uh, sound like a lot with one family, but multiply that out, and then that's like poop tons of of wasted food just going into landfills instead of being used for something productive. Yeah, and it's, and again, uh, yeah, I mean, some food waste is inevitable, like you, you can't avoid it, you know, things like, uh, banana peels, coffee grounds, eggshells, and bones, like those kind of things. It's like, can't really, you know, I mean, <laughs> you could eat them, but I mean, they're, it's not going to be very good. <laughs> sometimes not good for you. Um, it just sometimes just doesn't make sense. So those kind of things. Yeah, it makes sense that, well, it's going to be wasted, but it could be directed um, to putting it into your compost where it could be uh, utilized uh, for your garden to grow things that you can actually use the you know, yeah. So basically, the... what you're saying is it tastes better the second time around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there are some foods, though, that, you know, we're things where, you know, us as people, we can try to make better decisions when it comes to when we're, you know, prepping for uh, meals that, you know, we don't make too much than what we need and which leads to, you know, excess food being thrown out and mm-hmm. not being utilized in a different way or recycled. Um, yeah, just being able to plan out those things better and, yeah, just maybe not having to buy or finding ways that both, you know, grocery stores or, you know, farmer's markets or whoever, wherever you're buying your food from that you can try to portion it a little bit better too versus having to buy, you know, a big Costco thing of lettuce and, having you know, you're to just, go bad. Yeah. and it's just you and then you don't use all of it up and then you throw it out instead of, you know, being able to uh, retool that in a different way, i.e. with uh, composting or something along those lines well because aren't um, Uh, so those kind of things aren't land landfills and and waste that way aren't they one of our major like methane producers too so it would help a lot with that problem yes and i will 
get to that in my oh. next section. Oh, wow. Because uh, I'll be psychic. talking about methane reproduction. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just uh, quickly finishing out the food waste part. Uh, yeah, so some caveats with uh, food waste uh, is with any animal and dairy pipe products. Uh, yeah, Don, you kind of mentioned this, that uh, they can be carriers of like bacteria and diseases. So you have yeah, to make well, sure that these materials are cooked and are clean before um, composting. Oh, sorry. Uh, the... Uh... Before I forget about it. so things like the uh, the prion disease prion uh, like your mm-hmm. your BSC and all that stuff it's like that's why stay away from those animal proteins and stuff in your in your food chain that way because uh, it can mess things up big time. Yeah, so I'll say that yeah, if you can avoid using yeah any <laughs> any meat or dairy products within your compost. Uh, and just, you know, kind of throw dispose of those properly, then I think that's the proper way to do it because, yeah, you don't want to take the risk of having those things being entered into, yeah, kind of the food chain and into your garden, into <laughs> your food in some form oh, or yeah. another. Well, and it's not even like you hear of those um, explosions of um, E. coli and salmonella and stuff down in some mm-hmm. of the greenhouses, uh, like the, the huge commercial greenhouses, right? And um, a lot of that is because, again... What they're using as fertilizer possibly has, you know, animal-based proteins or or who knows what in it, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, keep it clean, keep it clean. And yeah, not to say things like you know, like bones, like you can use if they're properly cleaned. You you know where they came from, and also, um, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing with bones because they're very hard to break down uh, in a compost pile. Like you almost have to manually. Kind of well, yeah, it could it sit there. It's, it could sit there for years, but that's those are one of the few things where a more mechanical process could break that, and that's where we get bone meal and stuff from, right? And, and that stuff in certain amounts in certain situations can be good for your plants, but again, just leave it to the professionals and do it the right way. <laughs> yeah, because it's like more the bone marrow that actually um, breaks down a lot easier than the bone mm-hmm. itself, and that's yeah, so. If you're patient and you're actually doing a proper managing the compost pile really well, that yeah, that stuff can break down, you know, within a few months, maybe, <laughs> maybe a year or something like those things will definitely take longer than, you know, the scraps of, you know, vegetables or fruit that you threw into there. But yeah, again, just kind of those things to think about when you're making your compost pile. So yeah, uh, moving on to, yeah, talk about uh, reducing uh, methane. So, yeah, question to you guys. What do you think are the top three sources of methane emissions in the world? Well, that's where I guess I'd, I'd already spilled the beans and mentioned the landfill waste thing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's one of them. Yep, that's one. What do you think, Kevin? I don't know. Digging up the wetland? Digging up peat moss? I don't know. Sort of. Well, wetlands, <laughs> wetlands, the wetlands one would be one of the one of the top, I guess, natural sources. But for exactly, uh, yeah, like wetlands um, are technically the largest emitters, uh, but are a naturally occurring one, uh, uh, mostly. Whereas other sources, like you know, the waste and landfills, are uh, anthropogenic, so you know, human, human yeah. related. Well, what about? Um, burning like uh, uh to produce energy or um energy production something like surely something in there has got to be up in the top five or something oh yeah that yeah so energy production distribution and energy usage make up uh errors in the is the number two so basically uh, anything to do with energy <laughs> essentially yeah oh, so yeah. you know oil gas all that <laughs> coal yeah. all that stuff and then we got um, one more oh, big one. Uh, I'm going to guess uh, farming, agriculture. Yep. And that's the biggest emitter other than wetlands for methane. Because that, you know, that. Because between the machinery and the fertilizers and like all the stuff that's. Uh, the farting uh, cows. Something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All, the, all those things that are man-made or mechanical or or whatever just compiled on top of each other probably make a big one and the fact that agriculture is so important so they're i mean everybody's got to eat so yeah 
Mm -hmm. So, yeah, with uh, material that is kind of tying it back to landfills. So with material that is constantly filling in uh, landfills, um, gets piled on, and doesn't have adequate oxygen supply to go through anaerobic respiration. So we know that as, you know, uh, occurring in an oxygen-rich environment. So the opposite happens. It's going to be anaerobic respiration that occurs. Um, uh, occurring in landfills because, yeah, again, everything, all this material that's kind of stuck uh, kind of underneath, you know, piles Buried. and piles of, yeah, yeah uh, doesn't have easy access to uh, uh, any oxygen. So it's going we'll through, just yeah, get straws. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in some landfills, yeah, they'll do that. They'll uh, aerate it or stick what? some, yeah, try to aerate some of these piles so that uh, you can get some uh, anaerobic uh, decomposition uh, anaerobic. occurring and get yeah. these micro <laughs> microorganisms uh, going. But yeah, so for, yeah, with all these things piling on top of this material, yeah, you get anaerobic decomposition, which is the process of microorganisms breaking down materials in an oxygen-free environment uh, to produce uh, end products like biogas, which is mainly methane, with carbon dioxide hydrogen sulfide, uh, some other gases, and water vapor. And it also can produce uh, digestate, which is liquid and solid residual matter. So, uh, mm, which, that sounds you know, attractive. Can be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can use the by, uh, end product for uh, fertilization, too, because there are some... Um, I mean, you, you have to process it a little bit more, but you can create uh, material that you could use as for fertilizers and uh, many other things, too. Uh, so, uh, anaerobic, uh, decomposition, uh, does produce, uh, things that are useful for us, similar to anaerobic, uh, respiration. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just a different way of breaking it down just <laughs> with oxygen versus without oxygen. So, yeah, that's kind and, of I, the... and I think prob probably the anaerobic would take longer, I would think, because again, the having access to the oxygen and the other stuff, uh, you're going to break it down more quickly, but it'll eventually get there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not 100% sure as to, yeah, like which one would be quicker. But yeah, I think just off the top of my head, I would probably agree with you that I think aerobic respiration, you get a, uh, a higher rate of breaking things down versus anaerobic. But again, could be totally wrong. So, you know, listeners, let me know if I'm totally off track on that. <laughs> Uh, okay, so next you have... Yes, yeah, talking about uh, the soil health. So yeah, when using compost, you have your you know three main nutrients that kind of come out of uh, when you're breaking down things into that humus or hummus, uh, which is your <laughs> nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, your NPK, and other micronutrients like calcium and iron, uh, and trace amounts, but are still required for plants to uh, grow and thrive. Um, compost is also also a very useful uh, soil conditioner, uh, as again improves soil structure, aeration, uh, water holding capacity, and kind of the tilth or like the physical condition of uh, soil for if you know if you want to sow seeds into the ground or uh, plant things and stuff. Uh, so compost helps with kind of uh, improving that. Uh, it helps to reduce and destroy pathogens in some ways. Again, it's not a complete, it'll totally get rid of any kind of disease or pathogens you have in an area, but sometimes composting can help to uh, break those things down and kind of mitigate how much is actually present in a, in a compost or kind of like in a uh, organic, I don't even know what the right term would be, but yeah, I'll, I'll say in a compost uh, pile uh, through the work from those microorganisms. And then also, uh, composting helps to reduce uh, nutrient leaching losses through uh, the immobilization of nutrients. So it doesn't make them as uh, soluble, I'll say. Um, and as I was saying before, when you add too much water, you can get the issue of things, um, of nutrients being too uh, soluble and being able to uh, just kind of wash out of a compost pile. And oh, the, le very... the leaching, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that you have a very poor nutrient poor compost pile for all that so the, this is just kind of me reiterating that that mm -hmm. um with composting if it's done properly you can 
um, not have as much nutrients. Well, you'll get more nutrients from the compost breaking or from the microorganisms breaking down a compost pile or the organic material into um, the humus. But um, it also helps with yeah nutrients not being being converted into soluble forms. So like taking that nitrogen, having it converted into something that is soluble and then kind of getting leached out and away from your compost pile and then to further into the ground and then you can't use it anymore. So composting helps to mitigate that kind of stuff. So yeah, next I had was uh, marketing in relation to compost. So compost can be made into a potentially viable market. And I think we've kind of seen that with, again, here in the city. I mean, it's kind of been on and off and actually I don't know where they stand now, but I know there's this big, there was this big composting facility that was built. Yeah, the um, one that composted the, itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is it the website that stinks? Uh, they just yes, didn't make it to hold up to that humidity. <laughs> well, yeah, and th- yeah, my understanding of that building was, uh, you know, it was supposed to be state of the art and it looked pretty fancy from you know pictures and stuff that they showed. But I think the oversight was they didn't design the roof right uh, because with our cold temperatures and all the heat being produced inside from all the composting. Uh, there's a big temperature gradient and that I think the roof not being designed well yeah led to uh, the roof not being able to be uh, not being able to <laughs> stay up so yeah well like kinda, I say basically the roof composted itself <laughs> yeah so I think they're working to get that all fixed and I don't know if everything's if things are going to be done with that soon but I mean, but but again, in any case, was, in the meantime, there's there are lots of uh, companies that specialize in composting and and doing it on a commercial scale. Um, I guess you just got to be buyer beware. Make sure you know what's going into the compost and what methods they're using because it's becoming so popular now. That's the other issue: is everybody's setting up fly by night shops, and then you find out you you're getting really crappily made compost, and who knows what's in it sometimes, right? So you got both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so compost can be made into a viable market with, you know, agricultural sector, residential reclamation, horticulture, all these different uh, industries. Um, compost can be used in some form or another and be marketed that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so municipalities uh, can sometimes can make their own compost market that could lead to be profitable, pr- profitable, profitable. <laughs> if demand is there and the system is well developed. So again, making sure, you know, you design the right building so that it can actually hold uh, compost at a larger scale, being able to process it at a larger scale and not come tumbling down a compost on itself, as Don said. Um, And also just having the demand too, because if, you know, you build this whole facility and not many people are on board to actually be involved and, you know, provide, uh, you know, organic material and whatnot to these facilities and in turn creating compost that could be sold at sold at a you know at a you know decent rate or sometimes free in some cases um yeah if the demand's not there then yeah it just doesn't make sense to (laughs) try and invest and market that to a municipality that's not interested and then as well waste from other industries could be bought and retold to work as compost and this is known kind of as tipping fees so you know taking you know you know waste from some sort of food processing plant that's um Anyways, taking it from some food processing plant and being able to utilize that waste uh, for a compost facility. Yeah, or like all the byproducts from, um, like, let's say the the, beer, the the breweries or whatever, you have all the spent mm-hmm. hops and stuff in the mash, or um, the hemp guys, you got leftover hemp fiber or what, like, there's a lot of different industries that could put in their plant leftover plant material that's basically a byproduct of whatever their main line is and it could still be made into valuable compost yeah yeah so with all the kind of positives of things that can come out of composting there are some compound composting woes though uh there's always pros and cons to everything so yeah yeah kind of the woes of it all uh composting is a great can be a great solution for reducing one's carbon footprint and being more sustainable uh, yeah, there are some drawbacks. So composting facilities require specialized equipment and again, need to be <laughs> the structures themselves need to be designed properly. It may not be easy or feasible to acquire uh, the correct tools and equipment to actually run these facilities. 
Um, and again, I don't really know too much about exactly the machinery used for these kind of things, but I assume, yeah, again, it's very specialized. It's very niche and yeah, all, you have to have people trained and being able to actually use this stuff and then also being able to maintain it to make sure it's always working. Um, and I assume that these kind of things are probably pretty expensive uh, if they're so specialized. So um, that could be a deterrent for people that want to set up a compost facility or have ones already and want to continue, you know, make, you know, making it feasible. Uh, so that's mm -hmm. one uh, drawback. Uh, if the marketing itself is done poorly, it could lead to uh, public and industries not either knowing about it or more confusion with the presented information and or there could be a reluctance to get bored with it. So there's all these kind of things that come out of marketing if it's not done correctly. Um, so that's why good, like trying to be able to be a knowledgeable and being able to present that information in a way that, you know, attracts people, at least, you know, has them interested and wants them to learn more or get involved more uh, is very important because you want to bring a lot of people in because especially with a compost facility, it only going back to the demand of it, you want to get people involved and actually want to contribute in some way. So again, whether that be actually, you know, putting your organics in a specialized spot and having it uh, taken up by a, uh, a compost facility. Uh, yeah. You need to, you have to get people on board with that. Mm -hmm. So poor marketing. Uh, yeah. It doesn't help with that. Uh, what else? And then, yeah, areas where composting is occurring on a large scale may be hard to find because even if a spot is found, it could have other issues present. So, for example, the odor might be too foul in an area as it's too close to residents living nearby and the composting is not properly maintained uh, to reduce those said odors. So I think that that was in the news, I think, or still in the news, I guess, in the, over the past couple months is I think there's a company that want to build a, a composting facility um on the west end not the big one that's already was already built but a different one and a lot of people were complaining saying no we don't want that there and then also i think the same company wanted whatever. to do something in leduc yeah. i think or something and they're also saying well we don't <laughs> we don't want you to do it here in the spot in edmonton why would we want you to do it here either because it's yeah. also next to i think a lot of residents too well yeah so, like you don't want you um, don't necessarily want to make one of those things uh facilities <laughs> right downtown you know but uh, I guess the flip side to that is if somebody can come up with a way to make it very self-contained and so you can't see, you can't smell, you can't, nothing from the outside, then it might be feasible, but it would also add to the cost considerably too, right? So. Yeah, because you, yeah, you'd have to make an enclosed space that gets enough air and all these other factors that we talked about with the whole process. And then also having, when it comes to yeah, odors and stuff being released, being able to filter that out if you're in an enclosed space. Uh, so you need, you know, like air scrubbers or something like that, I'm thinking. And I assume, yeah, that would probably get pretty expensive versus kind of just having an open pile outside. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and even in the bigger commercial settings, like you've got shredders and turners and screens and separators and stuff. Like like you say, there's, there's a more cost to the initial outset of equipment than you would think as well. Like it's a lot different than just, using your fork or shovel in your backyard and turning something over or getting a tumbler or something like that. Like this is a lot bigger scale, right? But um, like you say, with the white, right forethought and planning, uh, you can get one of these industries for compost going quite well and have a, have a good market for it. You just got to plan. Everything boils down to planning. Because mm -hmm. yeah, another thing too with poor management and poor planning is that Again, going back to leachate or like anything leaching out of these piles is um, if you don't plan right in, this, in the certain area that you want to put a compost pile in, say, for example, if there was a maybe higher than normal uh, groundwater table and you had a leaching problem that could leach into the groundwater table and that could cause a lot of issues if you have uh, materials and <laughs> leachate that you really don't want in the groundwater table. Like into your drinking water or who knows what. Yeah. Yeah. So that's always something to consider and could be a yeah, negative if you don't properly manage and plan out right. And then kind of the last thing I was thinking was uh, weather. So kind of where we oh, are. Oh, because we have lots of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All different kinds uh, in one hour. Yeah, it could be rainy, it could be sunny, it could be snowing. 
in the middle of June. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, so the weather in an area might not be ideal for composting because, you know, it could be too dry or too cold, too wet and all these other factors. So, you know, here it's exactly that. Like, you know, we get very dry winters. So that, uh, that can be an issue for if you're composting over the winter and then also just winter itself, if it gets super cold, uh, uh, doesn't help microorganisms. Well, it slows everything down and sometimes it can outright kind of stop things and sometimes kill off microorganisms or again yeah just really slow them down so again weather is something to consider too and with that kind of tied in with where you actually place your compost pile yeah that was kind of it yeah kind I think that, well i think that's a pretty uh pretty good intro to composting and realizing yes there's a definitely a difference between industrial commercial composting and home use composting but i i don't see why uh, pretty much anybody who wants to do some gardening in their backyard or container gardening or whatever, uh, why they can't have, um, even on a small scale, some sort of uh, composting method to help reduce the, the waste going into the landfills and then utilizing that on your your plants. Yeah, and again, I think the... For me, I think the main takeaway you should kind of look at is, yeah, I think a lot of the stuff I was talking about was was a little bit more on the industrial um industrial side of things but yeah you can still apply a lot of these principles too if you want to make a you know compost pile in your yard or for a community initiative or something like that again just looking at kind of that main process as to what things you need kind of your four main things you need for a compost pile and all the things that are happening with in that compost pile with the microorganisms and how the soil water air and organic material are kind of all working together and being able to you know, manage that properly. Um, and there's so many resources out there that uh, tell you how to either make your own compost pile by just, you know, picking a spot and just being able to manage that right or actually, you know, get a, you know, something like a tumbler, how to make your own tumbler, or buying a tumbler or some sort of thing to uh, make compost. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of resources out there that uh, people can uh, look at. Yeah, and there's so, a, lot, a lot of different ways to get the same end means, but like what you've described here is, there's some basics that apply no matter what method or, or what scale you're doing or whatever. It's just some key core concepts. And if you have those in place, then no matter what kind of composting you're doing, you should have some success, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and, Kevin- and I guess I'll just leave off with, <laughs> I'll just leave off with, uh, if you want to look more into uh, composting again, really just, you know, kind of Google how to compost online. I'm sure you'll find more than enough information there, but, uh, for something more local in the Edmonton area, uh, if you want to get compost, I know periodically throughout the summer, spring and summer and fall, I think, uh, this, well, not just the city of Edmonton, but I think a number of places sometimes offer kind of like free compost events. So you can actually get, uh, you know, compost produced uh in the area for free and i know for with the city of edmonton in particular i know at some eco stations they have compost piles that you can go to and get stuff for free i think there's some kind of prerequisite like you have to i don't know say that you did something or show that you took out some yard waste or something and prove i don't know there's a little bit of a criteria a, ooh, i think for a way to validate action. that you're gonna yeah, use yeah, yeah but it's something pretty minor yeah i think yeah, it was, yeah. i think one of them was like proving that you dumped a, a load of you know a bag of yard waste at an eco station gets you a gets you access to a free pile or free thing of compost and i think i think they give you quite a bit for because i think there are limits but the limits i think are pretty manageable or mm-hmm. not manageable, but like adequate. Yeah, like, like you, you get, get quite, you get, you get quite, quite a, a bit for, for yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Like I know the Calgary Zoo used to run a composting program where obviously their animals poop and they get food waste from the animals and other stuff. And um, they used to offer that to the public. I don't know if the Valley Zoo does here or not, but um, yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm just looking. I'm seeing lots of places that offer free mulch. And there is, there are a few places like 
second nature compost and of course the Edmonton compost facility and stuff like that. Yeah. So second nature, I think is, uh, the Edmonton city of Edmonton one says it's a recycling center. So it's on Arm road. So it's out on Mm -hmm. that'd be out on the, uh, East side, Northeast side or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, because um, I think that is where, because um, I think that's where the Edmonton Waste Management Center is, and I think that's part of it, is mm. the second nature stuff. Well, yeah, but in any case, there are there are some options, and uh, of course, there's also nothing wrong with uh, paying some money for some compost too, if it's if it's decent, produced well, and again, try to support local. Uh, and of course, you can always make your own. So either way, there's mm-hmm. options. But uh, compost does have a lot of value, as Dan pointed out. Yes, there can be some issues, but if you have proper forethought, I think uh, most anybody can make some decent compost or get a hold of some decent compost, and it's it does wonders for most garden plants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does Kevin have any final thoughts? No, not really. I'm just thinking that, well, for City of Edmonton, they have the new uh, garbage rollout and those stuff, right? And then I think I got the bin, and then one is for food scrap and yard waste. That includes, like, pretty much everything that I think they're just going to take it and compost it, right? And then one thing that um, it says on the sheet, it says that everything, all the food scrap, we can just dump into the bin, and they will just take it, including, like, bones and eggshells, like, everything so i don't know if they are going to they have like a different facility to do that kind of stuff that can process the bones and meat and all those stuff i don't know if dan knows anything about that no i don't know anything in particular yeah that's you i I think that i think that's just easier for them to save anything that's food-based uh food scraps just yeah throw in the bin versus having to separate it but i think the idea is putting it into yeah their compost facility or just divert that stream going away from the landfill and going towards um composting and whatnot but again yeah i don't know the exactly their process as to how they're going to deal with yeah kind of the more the meat meat and dairy products that are thrown in there i just noticed uh there's actually a compost school in fort edmonton as well so you can learn to make good compost at the Fort Edmonton Compost School. <laughs> I did not know that. Wow. It's got a good rating. It's got 4.9 stars. But uh, I have to take a look then. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's something for people that if they're interested. A few other things which are, you know, uh, you, probably you'd also have to uh, pay for some of their stuff, but there are other places you can get some uh, some compost from, like, eco center it looks like oh yes right our own um because we live in parkland county the parkland county transfer station um because they'll recycle they do mulch like wood chips and all that sort of thing uh you can get uh some compost there i believe as well Mm -hmm. so so yeah wherever you're at there is a possibility of getting compost or learning how to make your own compost uh, whichever method you like but there you have it there's the down and dirty on compost. So I guess on that note, uh, you guys know what to do. Please like us, subscribe, share, uh, sh- send us your, your comments. Uh, we like to hear from you guys. Uh, send us pictures. I realize uh, most of our things are, are posted on our, our websites or on Facebook. Uh, we don't have specific areas to uh, to link to just yet, but by all means, yeah, give us a look. and. Uh, Hopefully you'll get something out of it and you'll be madly composting and feeding your gardens in the next while. (laughs) Yeah. Do it.